You're trying to tell your story to the world? MailChimp can help for free. They've got gorgeous pre-designed email templates, but you can also code your own. And I am a MailChimp user. I can vouch for this. They make it so extremely easy to put out something in your words, in your way. It's very cool. I actually use it all the time. They show you how to send, when you should send, why people open an email, or why they click delete. They can also help you find your, your people, grow your business. It's very useful. I can vouch for this one personally. Been using MailChimp for years. MailChimp can help you tell your story effectively and find people who care about it. More at MailChimp.com. Hello, linguists, kayakers, and dream shoppers. Thank you for listening. My name is Chris Gethard. This is Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. This call... Very interesting and went many different places. I hope you enjoy it. In the beginning, we talk a lot about linguistics and you will be tempted to zone out if you're not a fan of linguistics, but I encourage you to focus up because it's actually pretty interesting. And then after that, I'm going to go ahead and say the greatest first date story I have ever heard. I laughed very hard. And then after that, it gets real. We go to a, uh, there's a face depot. You have to listen all the way through, see what that is. But it got trippy. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. Kind of hungry. Is this Chris Gathard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. Oh, wow. This is great. Oh, I've been thinking about what I was going to tell your producer mm-hmm. to get me on here. Oh, you're going to get on by I was coming up with a pitch. You're coming up with a pitch. No, we just patch them through. We just patch them on through, and then we oh all figure gosh. it out on our feet together. You can give me the pitch. What's the pitch? All right. I was going to say, I know I'm not over 50, but I've always been too young, and I know that I could totally give you a 50-year-old amount of experiences, even though I haven't had that many <laughs> well, years to do them. I should say what you're, what you're referencing is I tweeted today, for anybody who's listening and, and fig- trying to figure this out, I tweeted, I'd love to talk to someone over 50, and uh, you're referencing that. You don't have to worry about that. We got a caller who's over 50, and we did that one, and now it's, now it's about an hour <laughs> oh, later. Cool. So we can just talk about whatever. You, you don't have to mimic the life experience of a 50-year-old just because of my, my tweet before. It's fair game, whatever you want to talk about, good to go. Cool. So I've been um, listening to your show for like, I guess a few months now. I think I've been there since I saw like the first like nine and I listened to them in like two days. And it's, it's one of the coolest things, one of the coolest concepts. And so I just can't, I've been like, man, if I got through, this is what I would say. This is what I'd talk about. No, I'd talk about this. (laughs) And so now I'm here, I'm just kind of like, I was just doing some work on the computer and I was going to go and organize the office. And then I was like, I already called a bunch of times. I was busy forever. I'm just going to call one more time. And then it went through and I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. I knew today was the day too. I thought about it. You thought about it even before you knew I was taking calls. Yeah. Look, it feels like it's, it feels like it's meant to be. It is. Yeah. So, Lots of cool stuff to talk about. Okay. Okay. Well, I love language. I'm studying to be a linguist. So I think that your phone calls are like just a wealth of just linguistic treasure. (laughs) Wow. I'm going to be honest with you. I know that a linguist is a thing. Not quite certain what a linguist um, does. So there's so many different things that a linguist can do, but I can just tell you my sort of experience with it, how I've become really ingrained into this. I guess I didn't really know it was a thing either. And to be honest, like growing up, I was like, yeah, I'll be a teacher. Like, 
I kind of always wanted to be the first woman president, which was like a goal of mine as a child. And then it kind of was just like, like, you're really good with kids, though. I was like, okay, fine. I'll be a teacher. But it's still, still, you know, on the fence. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but as I started going to college, I took this class. They were like, hey, if you could take these four classes, you can get the TESOL certificate. You can teach English to speakers of other languages. It's a great way to travel. You can get jobs around the world. And they kind of show you this really fancy PowerPoint of like, oh, look at this is us in Korea. You could be there making money. And so I was like, oh, it's cool. Only four classes. I'm already going to go to be a teacher anyway. And uh, I took the first class and it was um, like intro to linguistics. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is, this is a lot of information here. There's like pragmatics to like, you know, phonetics, how children learn language, how second language learners learn language. But then it also happened during the spring of... Um, when they captured Jihadi John, you know? Oh, or, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they identified who he was. Yeah, yeah. And it Do you all know who th- that is? It was all through his, uh, his specific type of British accent, right? Yeah. And so I saw this article just like casually, probably on like BuzzFeed or something, basic like that. And I was like, forensic linguist identified this guy, Muhammad and Wabi. And I was like, whoa, linguist did that? They listened to these awful videos over and over and slowed it down and like picked it apart word by word and figured out that he was from East Sussex, London and the exact neighborhood. Are you kidding me? I want to do that. And so I've like just been every class that I've taken so far, I changed my major to English so that I could, the school that I go to doesn't offer linguistics like degree. And there's very few that offer like master's programs, but I'm, very confident about it. But I was like, wow, this is great. So I took the other classes and it is all about just like teaching and ESL and stuff like that. But all of my other professors have been really like open to letting me explore linguistics, whether it be a Shakespeare class, a novel class, whatever it may be. And so I started working for this professor. He's a corpus linguist and corpus is just Latin for body. So Corpus linguists study large bodies of text called corpora, and they can look up one word in these huge corpus banks that are available online for free. Well, they want you to donate, and they remind you all the time. But you can look up a word and see where it shows up in spoken um, you know, news or spoken radios. And I was just thinking earlier today, there's not a corpora for a podcast. Hmm. Interesting. But does this make any sense so far? It does. I'm going to tell you, this is the most I've ever talked about linguistics. And I'm going to be, to- I'm going to be totally honest with you, if that's okay. There's, prob- yeah. well, There's probably a lot of people listening right now who are like, holy shit, are they going to talk about linguistics for an hour? No. And I, Well, I'm going to go ahead but, and say, if you want to, great. You just got to convince me to love linguistics as much as you do. Because I... Okay. Uh, I'm I'm like an uncultured boar from New Jersey, and I say ain't and gonna. I once had a girl I dated make fun oh. of me because I used the words ain't and gonna. Well, that's authentic English language. That's the way that's really used. What is it? What makes you love language so much? Well, because it's super related to our identity. So the way I've been using it, and there's a lot of boring stuff like syntax and grammar of people's languages, but... This professor came up to me and said, hey, there's a symposium coming up about bodies. Would you like to do a presentation? I know you like Victorian lit, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, seems kind of boring. He's like, well, how do you feel about mass murderers? I was like, well, without saying I love them, because I definitely don't, like, what do you mean about that? He goes, well, people write these, like, manifestos and stuff, and you can put them through these banks and kind of, like, see their word count and their patterns and stuff. And I think that I get like beautiful mind up in here with like these language patterns. I can't help it. But you wouldn't believe the differences in the way that people speak. So when like, it's all down to like the prepositions that you use that show the relationship between you and another item in the world or a person. And so (laughs) listening to the way that people talk can give you so many clues about them. And I think that you do that subconsciously. That's why I found your show so cool. Well, thank you so much. That's really nice. And I'm going to say this with a lot of love and appreciation. You're one of the biggest nerds I've ever talked to. 
in my entire life. That's coming from me. I don't know if you've seen a picture of me, but uh, that's funny. I mean that so in like a good for way. the first time, I'm in a place where it's really not that bad because I'm surrounded by people who love it, and I'm like, holy shit, I have been a nerd my whole life. <laughs> were you always? It hasn't been very cool. Were you always like a kid who was like obsessive over like nerdy minutia, and the other kids would be like, we don't care about what a, what medieval battle was like. Were you that kid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I was homeschooled, so that's probably. Part. You were homeschooled. What was that like? Um. Well, uh, I have an older brother, so he was there. So we were like, he's like three years older. So, uh, and my dad was a pastor. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I like, and we lived in our church building. So I was in the same space for a lot, a lot of time, probably. I mean, that sounds a lot creepier than it really is, but we lived in like a really urban area. And so I didn't go to public school until middle school when we moved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I had to learn social pragmatics through like the way people talk, I guess. I, don't know. I mean, you just used the phrase social pragmatics. When talk while talking oh, while speaking about how yeah. you had to while, <laughs> while speaking about how you had to learn how to fit in to to culture, you described yeah. you described it as social pragmatics, an indicator that it might have been a rough a rough process for you. <laughs> yeah, well maybe. And I don't look back on it like well, yeah, it was probably pretty rough for a while. I think I look back at it, look back at it now, and think, "Oh, well, that was really unique." And I think it gave me a unique sort of perception on life. But it definitely took a long time to. to well, that's actually something else that I was going to show you that maybe I'm not as big of a nerd. Okay. As I'm I listening. sound right now, because I I don't think people look at me and think that I'm a nerd, because I, I definitely. I don't know. I could switch it up. What's that? <laughs> I said I could switch it up. Push it up? What, what does that mean? I don't know what you about mean. It. Like, I don't always sound like a super nerd. I have a lot of other things that I talk about and I, a lot of other places that I fit in. And I think that that's because I was always observing that. I think mm-hmm. I've always thought of myself as kind of like a chameleon a little bit. Really? Yeah, and so sitting on the phone with you right now, I'm, like, trying to figure out, like, well, who am I, like, really, legitimately, like, who would I be if there's somebody who doesn't know me and I wanted to give them, like, a certain idea of me as a person, then a nerd really isn't that bad. I've been called a lot of worse things. Hey, and I say it with love. I'm as nerdy as it gets. You ever seen a picture of me? I'm. A, it's tragic. I'm a train wreck of a nerd. <laughs> But I'm not, I, I feel, I, I hope I didn't put you in your head, but I don't feel too bad. You're the one who brought up corpora linguistics and yeah. and social pragmata. Because I think it would be cool to run all the transcripts of your conversation through it and see. Because you talk to people from all over the United States. It's interesting. Before you can figure out who they are, there's people that can like listen to just some words that people say and figure out like exactly what area they're from. Wow. What have you learned from me? me? What have you learned? Uh, what have you learned from listening to me? Well, well, you have some interesting. Like, you're very self-aware, and you're. I don't know. You can kind of see that in like your pauses and sort of like. There's an interesting like turn taking that has to be done in telephone conversations because you can't see each other or like tell if someone's slowing down or speeding up or wants to interject. That's interesting. I like where this is going. Um, I like that you're starting to analyze me. This is getting fascinating. This is getting very meta, very meta. I know. Yeah, it is. That's scary. But, and we don't have to go down that road at all. I'm into it. But you're like the way that you started your first conversation. And I think that you probably post them out of order from what I can tell, but you can still see there's kind of like a progression in Uh the way that you take turns maybe well the earlier one you're being very nice i interrupt like a motherfucker in the first handful of episodes because <laughs> i'm very nervous and you're <laughs> that's yeah. what, that's what you're being nice but i can say i interrupted like a son of a bitch 
and I get called out on it on Twitter and you're telling me you can very quickly tell from the amount of interruption and the way I'm pausing or, or talking over people, which ones were, were the first ones out of the gate. Yeah, but also I just think that you're really excited. This is kind of uncharted territory from what I can tell about just, I don't know, I grew up listening to talk radio with my parents, like the old Rush Limbaugh. Dr. Laura on <laughs> like so I grew up listening to like these phone conversations, but it was and there's an anonymous sort of factor with that, but this is kind of newer. This is different. And so it's new territory. So I think like you were excited about the possibility of like figuring out what your role in that situation is. Yeah. And callers kind of are too. And so people that have been listening also come like prepared with something to talk about now rather than being like, What's up? Yeah, I get that. Well, that's good. So you notice, you yeah. know which ones I taped earlier because I interrupt too much. What else? What else have you learned about your old pal Chris Kether through my <laughs> linguistics? No. Well, I wonder sometimes how it's used in comedy. Like how many co- like comedians are aware of sort of linguistics because on a, like a conscious level, because I think that it's it's subconscious for a lot of people to be like aware of language, but there has to be a level of like consciousness when you're writing jokes and like reading a room and that kind of thing. Definitely. And I think one thing you might get really fascinated by, I actually um, have noticed like a lot of the best comedians, it's the, like there's a lot of good comedians with really good jokes, but I think the great comedians, a lot of it lives in the pauses and in what they kind of let float and what they kind of linked together. Yeah. I think you'd really like comedy. There's my friend Mike Burbigley. I opened for him for a long time, for like a year out on the road, and I noticed he would change his jokes and he'd like start walking on a different word or he'd like move his left arm instead of his right arm to accentuate a punchline. And he's really scientific. He's playing with every aspect of the words and the presentation. How's that work for yeah, you? How's I that work for you really... linguistically? Oh, I love it. And I know, and I would notice it. I feel like I was watching, um, a Netflix special cause I definitely love comedy before I figured out I'm kind of late to the game on like the technology thing. And I didn't realize that I had this like bank of podcasts on my phone. I just put it in with like the stocks and the charts and the stuff that goes like the compass. It's like in the extras box. And yeah, I know all the I things really, that are I'm on a phone. I am aware of all the things what? that are on. I know all the things <laughs> that are on a phone. You don't have to list them all individually. <laughs> I know, but it's that. Everybody has that drawer. Just like everybody has a drawer with plastic bags in it. Like, that's. <laughs> I, what is your deal? What is, what is going on? What's your story? What's your deal? What is going on? <laughs> I'm going oh, to listen to a lot of podcasts. Focused. I have like severe ADD. Yeah, so. I've noticed this about you. You can you you listen to a lot of podcasts. You know we like uh, abrupt topic switches. What is going on with you? What is going on, man? <laughs> oh my gosh, I I just didn't think that I was. Like, yeah, I think I just overthought everything that I would say when I was on this conversation, and now I'm just so lost. No, that's okay. We're not lost. We're in it together. But we have talked about linguistics on a level that's going over my head for almost 17 know, full we have minutes. To stop. 17 oh full minutes gosh. that I haven't quite understood almost any of what you're talking about. Oh, that's terrible. Okay. That's okay. And don't feel bad. But now we're, we're sitting here, you know, like the way the show works is John is in the other room and he can call up websites and stuff and send me little messages to help keep track of stuff. He's got the Wikipedia open for Dang. corpus linguistics. We're going to sit here and try. And then this, well, do you want to hear a cool way that I used it or no? Sure, but now or, we're going. Now he's no, clicking on the link for. Now he's clicking on the link for morphophonology. I don't even know what that is. There's a whole list here: semiotics, oh, graphemics. What is all this stuff? Orthography. I don't even know what any of this is. Okay, here's the question. Here, it's so much simpler than that. Okay, so do you think that language affects thought? If you don't have language. Can you think? Hmm. That's an interesting. Do people that speak other languages think differently than we do? How can they think of a word if, how can they think of a concept if they don't have a word for it? Hmm. The philosophy, linguistics is the philosophy of language. Oh, it totally started out this way because I Hmm. think the world started growing and then people started running into each other and they had to figure out how to communicate and teach people words that they didn't have items for. It's very like confusing when you're 
I would imagine. I, I don't know. The internet, the way that people function. I mean, you can look up like the whole corpus linguistics thing. It's just a website and you basically search a word and you can see like how often a word was used from the, you know, 1880 to 19 to 2010. Like when wow. was it used the most often, like by decade, like the, like way the word ev- terrorism, like you can use it mm. this way. Like the way everybody used to say the word awesome too much, and now they say the word rad too much. That's hysterical that you would use the word awesome because I'm working with a professor right now who's writing a book to teach people (laughs) how to use corpus linguistics, and he uses the word awesome as the search word through all the different ways. He teaches you how to use it using the word awesome. Look at that. Look at that. It looks like I should get my uh, master's degree in linguistics. They use the word awesome more open in Singapore? More often in Singapore than they do in the United States. I had no idea. What are some other fun facts about <laughs> linguistics? <laughs> uh, you can search whether somebody in, like, Britain says this more versus American English versus Australian English. But that's, that's stupid. I don't really – we can we – can No, I want to know. It's not stupid. It's not – Wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> in English, we say adjectives first. In Spanish, they say them second. Yeah. Well, whenever I guess the way that I want to use it is like forensically, like real criminal mind stuff. Like you want to solve way, crimes, feel linguistics. Oh man, yeah, like dream job, like totally, like an FBI profiler or counterterrorism. Ooh. So you would have caught the Zodiac something killer. Like that. You want to catch the Zodiac yeah. killer? You would have done that. Some of you guys are probably nerding out hard about linguistics. Some people maybe not so into linguistics. There's going to be a little more linguistics when we stop. And right now, what we're going to do is we're going to hear from some sponsors about what they have to offer. You know what I love? Therapy. I've loved it for a long time. Big advocate. And I think therapy can and should be affordable confidential and convenient. And this is exactly what Talkspace is. Only with Talkspace do you get unlimited messaging to your dedicated licensed therapist for just $32 a week. It's affordable. I applaud Talkspace. They're making sure price is not a barrier of entry to therapy. Join over 300,000 users who already know that with Talkspace, you can text, audio message, or video message your therapist as many times as you want without having to wait a week for your next appointment. Because with Talkspace, your therapist is always in your pocket or on your computer. And now now, can even schedule a live video session with your therapist right from your smartphone. Visit Talkspace.com beautiful for a special $30 discount off your first month or download the Talkspace app on the Apple or Android app store. Use coupon code beautiful. Talkspace, it's therapy for how we live today. Do you love books but find that you never have time to read them? Well, Audible.com has the perfect solution. Get audiobooks and listen to those books you've been meaning to read while on the go. The gym, while commuting, Audible.com. They have audiobooks from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Their app is free. It works on iPhone, iPad, Android, and Windows Phone. You can also download and listen on your Kindle Fire and over 500 MP3 players. And unlike a streaming or rental service with Audible, you own your books, so you can access your books anytime and anywhere right from your smartphone. Audible.com also has the great listen guarantee. If you decide you don't like the book you choose, no worries. You can exchange any book you aren't happy with for another title anytime. No questions asked. I saw they have Norm MacDonald's book on there based on a true story, a memoir. I think that one worth checking out and just for our listeners audible.com is offering a free 30-day trial membership go to audible.com cg today to start your free trial again show your support for beautiful stories from anonymous people get a free 30-day trial at audible.com cg like chris gethard that's me check it out thanks audible I'm going to go ahead and get back to the call. Uh, if there is, if if this caller ever does make a podcast corpora, some of those sponsors definitely coming up. And if you listen to my show, the word Morrissey prominently featured in my corpora. But let's hear more from our caller right now. You want to catch the Zodiac yeah. killer? You would have done that. Yeah. Like, this is a very, I just did a, I'm in the process of writing a, paper, like potentially a dissertation on the topic, but, um, about kind of like these manifestos that these mass murderers are using and 
there's sort of linguistic patterns all the way from the Columbine shooters to Adam Lanza to Elliot Rogers to all these people. That they share? They, they all share leave manifestos. Oh, so they yeah. leave manifestos and you examine them individually or are you saying that they share certain qualities? That's my theory is that they share certain qualities, but I have to go through a lot of data first. Oh, so you're going to read so everything I've been working that on killers. one specifically. Which one? Elliot Rogers. He uh-huh. wrote a 137-page manifesto. He like tells his entire life story starting from day one. I re- up I, until the day of his retribution. I got to tell you, I don't. It's not like I like any murderer. That guy, I, I really, I didn't, because he was like the men's rights guy, right? Well, he was more like, like pretty young blonde girls were ignoring him, and that really pissed him off. Oh and my god! They were dating like more jock guys, and like he was more of a perfect specimen because he had money and gentlemanly status. But like he uses the word like to describe a guy that's with a hot girl. He's like, he was a deplorable lout. Like who says that? You're 20 years old. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Calm down. A deplorable lout. Yeah. Just grow out of it. Who says that? Just ask the girls out. It took me forever. I was such a, I I used to think every girl was ignoring me and I realized I was an unappealing, socially uncomfortable mess and I just got my act together. Yeah. I know how that feels. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you do. I bet you do. 17 minutes about linguistics. I bet you do. Wow. There was a, there's definitely a, a growth period there. Mm-hmm. Growing pains. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you still feel like you're not awkward? <laughs> well, I think I turned out okay. I think I found a, I think I found a community that made sense for me, and it took many years. And then I think I grew into my own skin, and that took many more years. I think I probably started feeling yeah. okay about myself when I was maybe 28 or 29 years old. It took about a solid three decades before I felt even okay. I would say I really only feel oh, good. That's normal. I feel only good since I was probably about 32. That's uh, 30, like November of 2012 is probably when I started feeling good about myself. Hmm. That, hmm. Yeah, I think that that's normal for a lot of people to think that there's like a sort of like phases that you go up when you're going up that like proverbial hill. The Mm -hmm. weird, the phrase like over the hill has always, it's just always kind of stood out to me. And I like imagine this hill and I have all these questions about it. Like, what's the hill made out of? Are we all on the same hill? You know, are we, but I think that there's like little check stops on the way up and I think you finally get comfortable and you're like, make it to the top of the hill. And you're like, well, now what? Yeah. That was a very extended metaphor. I think about that hill a lot, but, um, it's, it's a, it's an uncomfortable process, like facing this sort of like making those adjustments and being, I think finding that community is really important. And I think I moved too much to find that. Is there is there a big linguistics community? Is that is that a thing that I bet there's a lot of people who are very very nerdy about language. Yeah, they're mostly in England though, and that's not really a possibility for me. Really, it's it's not in America. Yeah. You could set the trend. What, are, what, what well, I mean, there is, but not really. Not your thing. Not your scene. Yeah, um, I mean, just from what I would be interested in and all the programs and stuff. But I'm married, so there's kind of a. You're married. Yeah. Do you have kids? Yeah. No, no kids. I have a dog that I'm obsessed with and a cat. <laughs> what kind of dog? It's a German Shepherd. Oh, that's cool. How long have you been married? He's like the best dog. Um, almost four years. In August will be four years. Oh, August what? August fourth. Ooh, congrats. Thanks. Um, I'll be yeah, two we, years on well, August 30th. Two years on August 30th. Oh, nice. How long have you guys been together? Uh, we I, we dated for nine months. We got engaged. We got married a year after that. We got together October 2012. That's how long I've been with my with my wife. Hey, that's kind of cool. I got um, with my October 2011 is when I met my husband. We also got married um, in... Well, from the time that we kind of had our first date to the time that we got married was 10 months. 
10 months. We got engaged after nine. You got married after 10 months. Yeah, we had, we actually got married after six. We got married in May, like at the justice of the peace and then had like a whole wedding in August. So we didn't tell anybody. You, you met, you, you wait, you, you went on your first date and then six months later you were married. Yeah, but it's a, it's an extreme circumstance. What's the extreme circumstance? Well, well, he was a Marine and, uh, well, once a Marine, I guess, sorry guys. Um, but he's not active duty anymore. And so, um, I was a bartender in in Virginia and we met while he was stationed there and I was, I'd been living there for like four years and I was just like, I do not date military guys. Nope. I'm a free spirit. I'm doing my thing, finding myself. And then one day he was, he always would come into this one place and like pretty sexy. And so I was like, he wanted me to go out on a date with him. And he's like, it's not a big deal. It's a big group thing. We're all going kayaking. Just be day. It's not like, you know, a date date, the group thing. And I finally gave in. I was like, yeah, I like kayaking. Kayaking is cool. But I'd never really been kayaking before because I'm a city person. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm an indoor cat. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, we go and there's three kayaks of two people each. And one of them leaves to go to work or something. And the other group and uh, us, we were going to race from like different sides to the same lighthouse. And um, on the way to the lighthouse, we uh, like we had the cooler on the back and it started getting really rocky. And I don't know, I stood up to kind of like fix the thing and we capsized. And it was October in Virginia. It's not like freezing, but definitely not warm. And I had like a hoodie on and sweatpants and I had to take those off. It was not like, oh, it was terrible. And we're trying to flip the kayak back over. Doesn't happen. And there's a cooler. We're like floating on it for like two and a half hours. We're like sitting in there in the cold. What? You got and capsized for two and a half hours on your first date? We couldn't flip it back over. We kept like trying. And first I was like, this is funny, right? Like this is going to be a good story. They're going to come over and help us flip this back over anytime now, huh? And he's like, yeah. How are we doing? After like an hour, we're like screaming the other people's names. I'm like, we think we see him and then we don't. This is your first date. Like, okay, well, yeah. And I was like, I knew I shouldn't have gone out with you. And, and you said you had to strip off all your clothes. So you're in your underwear. I had a bathing suit on. Thank God. Oh, good. So you're in a but bathing suit hanging from October. a cooler for two and a half hours with this man you barely know. Yeah. And then... Uh, we had to eventually like the cooler starts to like sink. And so we see the <laughs> island, but it's pretty far and the current's pulling us away. So we have to start swimming towards it. And I'm just, I grew up swimming in like swimming pools. I'm not a ocean person. <laughs> and so I, I'm like on my back, like trying to do like the chicken soldier airplane thing. You know, they teach you in like swimming lessons. I'm like, I'm not going to make it. This is how I'm going to die. And I turn over and he's like already touching ground and he's like forever away. And uh, finally make it to this like little sandbar and like saves my life all dramatically. I'm like, this is awful. I'm so not graceful. If you can just mm-hmm. imagine that I didn't have this scenario figured out beforehand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to act. And uh, we ended up being on this little thing. It's kind of unbelievable. I mean, it really is. Like, when you tell people the story, they don't really believe it. No, keep going. So, so you, so you've been capsized at sea. You wind up in an island with a hot marine. Yeah. And then what yeah. happens? Well, the lighthouse ends up being like not a real lighthouse. It's just like a tripod with like a light on it. It doesn't. And there's like stagnant water all over the island, and. There's mosquitoes everywhere. And we're like on the way to check out the lighthouse. We stepped in like hip deep, like mud, <laughs> disgusting, stinky, horrific mud. And what are you talking we're just trying about? to keep it cool. You know, we're trying to play it cool. still. Uh, a little bit like that was no big deal. We can almost just die. Cool. Okay. We're uh, gross. Uh-huh. This is cool. <laughs> and uh, we get to like the other side of it and our friends are never there. Never see them. And 
they, we see like this little boat floating offshore, but it's made out of like PVC pipe and like has some buckets in it and like some netting. It's not really like a real <laughs> boat. Like we couldn't actually use it. We would have been in the same boat literally and okay. probably would have flipped again in that. So, um, we put it on its side to like block from the wind. And then we realized like high tide was coming in and where we were, we were going to be surrounded kind of like by water. So we wedged it on this, like oyster bank and laid in there for, like five hours, probably. What? Your first date? We were, we were out there for like almost 11 hours and we got rescued by the Coast Guard. And <laughs> so, Wait, your first date, you were capsized and trapped on an island for 11 hours and the Coast Guard came and rescued you. And he was really mad. They made him get in the basket and he was like, can I just go up the rope? And he was like trying to still be like macho, even though we had like hypothermia. And they're like, nah, dude, you got to get in the basket. And he was like, so mad. What are you talking about? This is not a first date. Then what happened? They took us to the hospital. I called my mom. She's freaking out. They had called my roommates home from work. They were like, we can't find her. 30% chance we'll probably find their bodies. Like, my mom is coming to, like, claim my stuff already. (laughs) And I don't know. After that, we go to the gas station. Like, they took us to this hospital, like, two and a half hours onto the eastern shore instead of taking us back to... Virginia, like Norfolk, Virginia Beach area. So our friends had to come and get us and we had to drive like two and a half hours home that same night. I'm wearing like a set of huge scrubs and we like, we're starving. So we go to a gas station, a Wawa, to get something to eat. And I was just like, stop laughing so hard. You're in a Wawa in hospital scrubs. That's the best. I've seen people in Wawa's scrubs. This is the best story I've ever heard. It's the best. What do you okay, keep going? So you're in hospital scrubs. You're in a Wawa. A Wawa. And you know, have you ever been to a Wawa? So many times. I love Wawa. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, you oh, get the sandwich. We don't have and the, them here where I live now, which sucks. Yeah, we don't have them but, here either. You get the touch screen. You do the touch screen. You get a sub. So cool. So, but yeah, but they also have like mashed potatoes and stuff. But that's the thing is like when we went in there, I was like, still trying, I, what do you eat after all of that and all of the drama? It was so, yeah, it was so yeah. much. I just got this is the worst, this is the most embarrassing part. I just got Cheez Its and chocolate milk. Like, what? <laughs> out of all the options, out of all, those aren't even two of my favorite things, like even that, even close. I would never pick those things out now. And so, but Nick gets in the car and he has three ice cream sandwiches, chicken tenders, two subs, like mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, like five Gatorades. Like he just bought like all this stuff and we just sat in the truck and he's like, yeah, I saw what you were getting. That was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, I guess I'll marry you since you know how to pick out snacks at a gas station. Wait, you didn't say that in the truck, did you? No, no, but I thought it. You knew you were going to marry this guy at the end of your first date near death experience? Yeah, 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 I did. And it was weird because I was so against marriage, like 100%, like totally not about that life. Like I was not, I had just gotten out of a long relationship and I was having like the best summer of my life, like not trying to, trying to get locked down. And he was like the youngest guy I'd ever dated. That's the best first date story I've ever heard. It's the best first. Well, that's the best first date story of all time. You got capsized in a boat and rescued by the Coast Guard, and had to go into a Wawa and hospital yeah. scrubs, and knew he was the one by the end of that. That's an incredible story. That's yeah. an amazing story. So, it, it feels like because it's been so long now, I kind of forget that that happens. Like real life of a marriage actually starts to happen, and that you know, kind of it's. It's definitely a great litmus test to see if you can get through something extreme with somebody, but like normal day-to-day life is an extreme. So that's kind of a hard part about making the decision based off of that. Wow. And you've been married four years now, you said? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he's been to Afghanistan during our marriage. We've moved like five times. Wow. Is that why we you got married? We are going to school. Is that why you got married after six months? Was he shipping out? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I guess it was part. Yeah, it was pretty much that. Because I would like to point and also out. And kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I would like to point out that I what? said like, you got married after six months. That how that was quick. How'd that happen? And then you're that. Then you gave an epic tale of being lost at sea and trapped in mud, and huddling, <laughs> huddling so for dramatic. warmth. Yeah, it was. It I was. I know, but in the middle of it, it was kind of we laughed like the majority of the time until like the last few hours, and it was like, holy shit, this is serious. Yeah, how, this isn't funny anymore. Who contacted the Coast Guard? Well, our friends that were supposed to meet us at the lighthouse said we never made it. And so they went back and just, they thought that we just like went back to the truck and were just like banging or something. So they were just like, ah, you know, Wait, they thought, and they thought, oh, they thought on your very first <laughs> day with this man, you, ba- you bailed out on kayaking and just started humping in a truck. I guess so. But that, I was like, gosh, what do you think of me? Jeez. <laughs> it's kind of messed up. But, but, yeah, when they got back there, then they realized we weren't there. They gave us a little more time. And then, but we had been flipped already for like three hours by the time they even called. They didn't still, call until like so six or something. Clinging to a cooler. Wow. And the, well, this is kind of, the helicopter flew over us like multiple times and missed us. And it wait, was like, wait, it was awful. A, it wasn't a boat, it was a helicopter? Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He had to get into the thing. It was so windy outside. Like, I the thought boat it was a boat. To, like, get... I thought they lowered a basket down. We were... You had a first date that no. ended with you being rescued in a helicopter? It's on video. <laughs> what? Safe thermal video, all of it. You have a thermal I know, I wanted to play video. it at the wedding, but Nick said no. <laughs> your first date, your very first date with the men you married, you have a thermal video of you being carried in a basket into a helicopter. In a rescue at sea. Yeah. For any fans of linguistics and Wawa, great store. The origin of the word Wawa comes from the Ojibwe word for the Canada goose. That's why the image of a goose in flight is Wawa's corporate logo. But we're not going to talk about Wawa because they're not one of our sponsors. We have many sponsors who really help make this show happen. And maybe Wawa will be some of, one of them someday. I'd love that. But in the meantime, here are the people that are making this thing run. You know that feeling you get when you can get things done with just the click of your mouse. It doesn't get more convenient than that, does it? No, it doesn't. And now you can get even your mailing and shipping done with that convenient feeling. You don't even have to leave your desk thanks to Stamps.com. Stamps.com turns your PC or Mac into your own personal post office that never closes. Talk about convenient. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your computer and your printer. Then you just hand your mail to that mailman. You drop it in a mailbox. You walk away. You never have to think about it again. And you never have to go to the post office again. Love Stamps.com. Love anything that helps me avoid the crushing social anxiety that comes with going to a post office and living in fear that I filled out the forms wrong or done something wrong or that I'm going to get that side eye from all the other people in line. Right now, sign up for Stamps.com. Use my promo code BEAUTIFUL for this special offer, a four-week trial, plus a $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. And before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BEAUTIFUL. That's Stamps.com. Enter BEAUTIFUL. All right, any any uh, any stoners listening to this call, you're about to really love the Face Depot. You can listen in, see what that means. You have a thermal video of you being carried in a basket into a helicopter in a rescue at sea. Yeah, I'm a hot mess. That's awesome. Embarrassing. That's awesome. It's so embarrassing. Why is it embarrassing? That's a fantastic story. Um, because every, well, I see, it sounds good to somebody who doesn't know us, right? But then, like, you wouldn't, my roommates were, like, pissed off at me. They were, like, mad. Why? That we thought it was, like, a sick story. It was like, a sick we came story. home and they were, like, what the fuck? We were called out of work. We thought you were dead. And I was, like, sorry, I'm not, like, I don't know why you're mad about that. It was kind of, like, 
a crazy day for all of us. You should get rid of those friends. That's the best. That's one of the best stories I've ever heard. Uh, that's one of the I best stories. I think it stories. sounds a lot better now. It was. Why are you down talking well, this? This amazing... is another thing. Okay. Okay. I had to. I was starting a new bartending job where, like, I would just come in on Sundays, and this happened on a Saturday. My first day was the next day, and I had to call them. I had to call this guy, and I was kind of getting hooked up by working at this place. It was like a really nice place. They only hire like fl- like flair bartenders, which I was not a flair bartender at not all. A flair, a terribly flair. uncoordinated. You know what flair bartending is? No, I I, I don't drink. They like. So, oh, that's right. So yeah, that's I, don't, right. I don't really know. But it's like people like bounce bottles like off their elbows and like make like 19 shots all at once and they're all different colors from the same. It's stupid. Uh-huh. But Light they can make a lot of money doing it. Yeah. So I got a job at this bar. Somebody had like really pulled some strings for me and I was like, fuck, I have to call and tell him I can't come in. And he, <laughs> I was like, hey, got into a little bit of an accident yesterday. My feet are kind of they're a little, they're a little cut up from some oysters. Um, <laughs> and he goes, uh, uh, I don't believe you, but since you came up with such a fascinating story, I'll give you until next Sunday to come in. I was like, thank you so much. So I show up the next Sunday and he goes, I believe you. My parents saw you on the news. I was like, okay. You were on the news. <laughs> okay. I the, probably like the old per, like the, the news that like only old people watch like the local news probably because nobody else ever said anything to me about it. Yeah. <laughs> what did the Coast Guard say when they hoisted you up? Well, they they asked they're like you in the service because they could tell by his haircut probably and he's like yep. They're like Navy no nope. Army no. Nope. They're just like. <laughs> Asking him if he's in all these branches. And I guess they all have like a rivalry with each other. Yeah. And he was just like, the Marines, he's like, yep. They're like, thank you so much for what you do. He's like, yeah, thank you. Appreciate appreciate it. <laughs> there, was like a, there was like a macho thing between them. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm alive. I've never been in a helicopter before. This is kind of neat. Was he real pissed <laughs> off that the Coast Guard had to come get him? Yeah. Yeah, it was like a macho thing for sure. But I think that's like why we ended up working well together because the way that we were sort of living both of our lives, like I think it would have taken like a really vulnerable situation like that for us to kind of drop the act a little bit. Wow. So this is not a guy you, you necessarily would have gotten together with. I mean, you weren't looking to get together with anybody and also maybe he wasn't totally your type until you had this experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you never have a lot of differences and you didn't intend on being a military wife. No, and I was not a very good one. Really? I did not get it. <laughs> it's a weird culture. Yeah, and I mean, it can't be, it can't be easy to see your husband ship off to war. That's That's got to be... Oh, you know, wasn't so much that. Like, that part of it, like, he was an excellent Marine. Like, I was so... Like, I was just proud. I never... Um, I don't know, I never really was freaking out and that probably makes him that makes him sad because I think he wanted to have somebody who's like pining away and like crying and freaking out and they they want that they want to know that their woman is like at home doing that but at the same time they have to be married to somebody really tough yeah so yeah. that they can get through that sort of thing so and unfortunately I'm a lot more on like the, the logical side of it than I am very emotional our roles are switched a lot with well, that, that's interesting. <laughs> so he's an he's an emotional marine. But, yeah, well, he's no, he's a good. He's like a he's an emotional husband. But yeah. I think maybe that's redundant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, but, but that's the thing. It takes like a woman to be able to like see that side of the man and still love him for all of the the strength and kind of like the tough persona he puts out to the rest of the world. You know, I get that. I mean, my wife has seen me cry so many times. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's good—a good thing to be able to be that way. But it's it's a, it's a balance. I mean, I think the part about the 
military life I didn't like was the other wives, most of them. I, I think I came out of it with like two good friends. Really? The rest of them were batshit crazy. Like <laughs> really? nuts. Wow. God, yes. There's like Facebook pages about it. About not- About women that are just, you know, wearing their husband's rank and like demanding to be saluted to or like getting their own parking spaces at the commissary, like stupid stuff like that. And Whoa. Like, really? really? So is it like the... Uh, oh my gosh. Is it like the wife of a lieutenant kind of like tries to hold it over the head of a wife of a private, that type of thing? Oh, yeah. Like, they'll cut in front of you at the grocery store. Really? Oh, yeah. I have been, like, the commissary's packed, like, around payday. I've made that mistake a couple times. And then I get there, and there's a an older woman. She can tell that she's older than me. So she just cuts rank and just pushes my cart out of the way and says my husband's a lieutenant. So as a, as a like, military wife, you effectively live within the... Okay. Within the the infrastructure of military rank, even though you're not the one in the they, military. I mean, they try to make it that way. I would just look at her and be like, honestly, if you just had somewhere to be, that would be a reason enough. Like if you just really got to get out of here or, you know, your kids are driving you crazy. Like yeah. that's, that's reason enough. You definitely do not have to pull rank on me. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and what, what she would just like, look at me. Like if like does that what happens? Does are there repercussions for your husband if that like does then that lieutenant if you're like hey, and you get into it with the wife does that lieutenant then make your husband like clean latrines and stuff like that? Well, if if she really wanted to like get my information, but I don't think that I mean like she could technically get my like ask me what my last name was and go and find my husband, I guess, but. The bases that we lived on were just, there were hundreds of thousands of people that yeah, were in yeah. and off that base. That's like, if it so happened, if I like directly talked to or his commander's, you know, wife, maybe poorly, but the odds of that ever getting back to him are slim because most husbands yeah, would be yeah. like, you cut in front of somebody in line and she was like, chill out. It's totally fine. No, I'm not going to say anything, yeah. but women would cuss each other out like in the store and like if there's like a physical altercation or something like that. Really? That always gets back to your husband. Yeah. you People would fight over like <laughs> the dumbest stuff. Oh, I'm, so when I got married, I basically was like, you have a couple of years left. That'd be totally cool if we did not have this, you know, have this life forever. I don't think I could do this forever. So it's kind of a deal that we made, but um, that's come back to bite me. How so? A few times. Well, because he says that, like, maybe he could have advanced in that aspect of his career, but, like, I asked him not to do it. So now, whether I want to, like, teach abroad or go and work abroad or do something like that, he's like, well, I thought you didn't want to have that kind of, like, separation or whatever. What's the difference between you going and working in Africa between me going on a deployment for the military? So I kind of grounded myself there. Mm, That's rough. <clears throat> that's rough that it got like yeah. tit for tat a bit. But I mean, like Marines get like, like people shoot rockets at them. That's linguists. Linguists aren't right. really dealing with, with like enemy insurgents. Yeah. That's a major difference. Yeah, I know. There's, it's a, yeah, I, I've used that argument, but it, it didn't really work. <laughs> but a, we'll see. That's um, a bummer. He's a dual citizen of the, of like Germany and the United States. So like international work isn't out of the question. It's just kind of like a matter of when we both have to mm-hmm. finish school. And He's got that EU passport. What's that? He's got the European Union passport. That thing's really useful, huh? Yeah. I got to yeah. get one of those. I gotta... That would be, for now anyway, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Not if you're trying to go to England. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they got out. They got out. I can... <laughs> I'm gonna get one of those. I, my grand my grandparents are from Ireland. I hear that I can get a, a EU passport because of that. I gotta figure out all the paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. Go see what it's like over there. It means a lot. Go see where my grandfather grew up. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. My my family doesn't have very much as far as like I don't know family history, like background genealogy, but um goes back like centuries it's fascinating they have like really really extensive i've always wondered exactly we got our like dna done but it basically just said like gypsy 
<laughs> That's what yours said? Basically. Wait, my like, mom and dad, like, we got both of theirs done, and there's just a lot of random, like, Eastern European all oh, over the wow. place. Oh, wow. That's cool. So, yeah, it's kind of cool, but it also kind of feels like it kind of validates the way that I've always sort of felt, like a gypsy sort of traveling and not really having like a super solid foundation as far as like where I grew up or what we went through or like a history or what my people did. So yeah, I don't know. It kind of made sense, I guess. Maybe, maybe you're of the, uh, the Romani people, I believe. Romani, Romani. I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced. The Roma, the Roma. That'd be cool. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Keeping it alive. Hey, we got about 10 minutes left. Well, would you, um, sorry that I rambled so much about all that other stuff earlier. What stuff? The linguistic stuff? Yeah, so nerdy. Don't you apologize for that. And like not nearly as interesting as the rest, I guess. No, who cares? Listen, this is real. This podcast is just conversations. There's no pressure on you. You don't have to come out of the gate. You talked about linguistics. Some people will find it interesting. Some people won't. You got the first date story. It was an amazing story. You did great. No apologies. Don't overthink this. Nobody who calls this ever needs to overthink this this dumb show that I do. I think it's dumb. I think it's pretty neat. It's okay. I have something that um, I wrote recently, and I'm not a creative writer, really, but I am teaching a creative writing workshop, and... It, like a bunch of kids have taught me like more than I could ever like imagine about sort of identity and culture since we were kind of going back to that. And um, I wrote something that I wanted to share. Okay. All right. So it's called Face Depot. And I'll just read it out loud. So... As a child, it was a nightmare. I was in a store that sold things to wear, but they weren't dresses made of silk and laces, instead just rows and rows of empty faces, aisles for hair, moods, and skills, for skin tone, attitude, thrills. A sign above me read, you can be whoever. For the right price, you can change your forever. To make a choice for one, impossible. I am too young, too scared, unable. How can I know my skills, my passions, my desires? I wandered through the aisles, reading the tags, looking at prices. The clearance rack smelled putrid. Stickers worn, expired. Rotting, rancid sockets, on sale. Faulty, used, returned. There was a layaway. Your life will change come payday. The line to try them went on for miles. Customers separating the potentials into piles. There were those that debated even making a change, and others avoided that look in the mirror paying. Some shoppers casually browsing. I even overheard one couple choose on faces they each found arousing. The shop owner shook her head and she sighed. She said, you have to be aware of the effects on the side. Read the fine print when you decide to buy a face. If change isn't serious, you're in the wrong place. The policy is lenient, but some things cannot be returned. Before you were born, your parents came to buy the face you wear now and the name that you go by. Choose wisely, choose quickly. Time will fly. Damages incurred. Just try to remember some things just can't be returned. Then I ran out without making a purchase. Each mirror I passed showed reflections. Sans purpose. Wow. That's it. It's like a twisted Dr. Seuss. Hey, yeah, kind of. That's what I was going for. Cool. I think uh, a lot so, of... But it was like a real dream. It was a, you actually and had a dream about buying kind of, faces. Like multiple times. And it would always be kind of different. I would see like other people in my life and I would see a lot of different people like coming through my church and stuff and being like really young and kind of not always having a conversation with everybody that came through. I tried to like read who they were and had to get people to pray to accept Jesus within like 10 minutes of knowing them. So reading people was really important. And I think their faces kind of said a lot about them. And so 
trying to figure out like what I wanted my face to say when people looked at me was really hard. And I think that's something that you were talking about earlier, like kind of growing into a place where you're really happy. It's kind of like buying, we buy a lot of different faces and try them on and some things and you can kind of see them layered up under people. Did you ever, did you ever buy any of the faces in the dream? Yeah, I eventually bought one and then I don't know. I think I've, I've bought a few different looks and I'm still trying to figure it out. And I think maybe just within the last year or so, I've kind of started to really recognize myself and see, see what it is. But there was like one that I bought and I never put it on. It was a really weird dream. And I never really like actually fulfilled like buying a face. And then I woke up and it was me and it was like this whole thing. But you know, figuratively speaking, I think that I'm finally in a place where I could say that I have one if I was following this metaphor, but I never actually dreamt that I did. I'll tell you what, this this call got real trippy at the end. <laughs> Good, I want you to think about, it's got, think about it, like walking away maybe. I feel like some people are gonna, some, there's gonna be some people that, that uh, listen back to that poem and really unpack a lot psychologically there. I hope so, yeah. I've had to. I think people, somebody said something recently in a, like a, I think it was Bo Burnham. I don't know if you've seen Make Happy. I keep hearing it's great. I got to watch um, it. I've, I've fallen way behind on, cons- uh, on consuming my comedy, but I keep hearing Bo's special is amazing. Yeah. But he says something about like, we, we're we this generation that wanted to perform. And so, the you know, technology and the internet just said, here, perform everything. And so you know, even Facebook, like the actual, the fact that we have this thing that's called Facebook and we put our faces all over it. What is it? I got off of Facebook recently because it was like, oh my gosh, I don't think that I have, I don't want people to look at that and define me because of what I share or what I, what I post, what I like, what I comment on. It gets so, it's too much. I feel like it's so inauthentic and hard to really give the right impression to the rest of the world just through something. So I don't know, 2d two dimensional. Wow. You're doing okay. This is something, this is, is, you're getting really into like identity and it's feeling pretty, it's feeling pretty deep and you're sounding maybe a little uh, down compared to before. Oh no, I think, Oh no, definitely not. I'm not down about it. I'm overthinking it because I'm like, I'm teaching a lesson on, cultural identity and creative writing. And that's literally what I was doing when you called. And oh. so I think now I'm kind of, I, I mean, know that it's coming to an end. And you, I'm you sitting call. here looking I didn't at my call. computer screen in front of me. I didn't call. Just to be clear, you said when I called. You you did call. I didn't. Oh, I when, no, yeah. I don't when want I people, listening, you, I don't want people listening to think I just randomly, <laughs> randomly called oh, yeah. you. No, no, not at all. When I called and... It's kind of like, oh, I need to get back to this, but I'm just going to call one more time. Good. And now I'm thinking, hmm. I'm glad yeah, you called. What did I want? Well, I hope so. I'm really glad that I had a chance to do this. And I think it's a beautiful movement. I think it really focuses on like the individual, separates people from, from this like larger ideologies that we're lumping ourselves into. Well, I'd like to think so. That's kind of you to say. I like to think that uh, if anything, this show we're all figuring out together is like humans can still be individuals that have meaning. Like interactivity isn't just put a hashtag up. You can actually talk to each other. And that's, yes. that's maybe interactivity yes, isn't just technology. I got really upset technology. about the, not upset, but I really started thinking about the hashtag thing. It's getting a little arbitrary. This like mad libs of hashtag pray for mad libs. It's, just not enough it's not a band-aid it's like we need a tourniquet <laughs> hashtag is not cutting it anymore yeah i agree with that just so you know we got about a minute left so anything you need to get off your chest you got a minute no nah, i feel pretty good about it you feeling good <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm feeling good thanks for having this talk no please thank you for having this talk i hope that your linguistics degree goes well i hope you smoke all those british linguists i hope you uh catch a bunch of serial killers <laughs> And I hope you never have a date. I'm go- going to. I hope you never have a date. Go I'm poorly, totally going to. Poorly again. 
I mean, we went from the podcast. Never going kayaking again. This call. I mean, we we tell, talked about the about about corporal linguistics, a helicopter rescue, and the face depot. This one really, we covered a lot of ground in an hour. And there's so much more. Yeah, I'm one sh- day. I am sure. I am sure. Call back sometime. Maybe you'll be our first cool. ever two-time caller. Hey, yeah, five years from now. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Hey, here's for the Emmy, too. It's coming your way. Yeah, I don't know about that. We'll see someday. These, these uh, the industry, they, they want to keep. We have goals. These they they don't they don't want to they don't want that they don't want the Jersey kid they don't they don't want to let the Jersey kid win. Nah, the Jersey kid will win. Nah, maybe in the Jersey long kid run. Jersey will win. Uh, they they're, they're not giving me no statue, but thanks for saying so. Yeah, we'll take care. That was one of the more confusing calls in a very good way that I've ever had. And I'll just say this. If you're out there and you're looking for love, I hope someday the Coast Guard rises rises you into the sky in a basket along with your your future spouse. I hope we all get so lucky. Caller, thank you for ca- telling me so much about language and, and dreams and reading a poem and, and a fantastic story that I won't soon forget. Thank you so much for calling. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, John Delore. Thank you, Greta Cohn. Thank you, Shell Shag, for the intro music, one of my favorite bands. My name is Chris Gethard. I'm a stand-up. I go all over the world. ChrisGeth.com for all my touring dates. Check them out. Remember that the best way you can support this podcast, go on iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, and tell friends. Word of mouth. Such great advertising. You guys, it's been so cool to make this show. It's been really great to see a community form around it. And let's keep spreading word on this thing. And let's, let's get as many people enjoying real conversations from real human beings as we can. We'll see you next time. We always got more phone calls coming down the pike. Here's what you'll hear next time on Beautiful Anonymous. What's the angriest you've been recently? Oh. What's the angriest I've been? Um, I was pretty angry at my sister. Here's a, here's a big one. My, uh, my sister has stolen 10,000 pounds from my dad. What? That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.com